0: Amen. We'll go ahead and dismiss our kids this morning to Kids Church. As the kids are being dismissed to Kids Church, I want to remind us of where we are uh, in our study. We're beginning a a four-week series. This is the second week where we are going to be looking at, at faith, Uh, Last week we looked at saving faith, that faith which which imputes to us the righteousness of Christ. Uh, And today we're going to be looking at growing faith. Uh, What is that that faith that allows us, that enables us to grow in our walk with Christ? Uh, Next week we will look at enduring faith, that faith that produces within us uh, endurance, perseverance, that we can indeed persevere through the difficulty and the hardships that God uh, allows us to go through, and then the last week that we will look at faith is that uh, multiplying faith, faith that, that spurs us on to, uh, to share our faith with others, that faith that multiplies, that faith that reproduces. So this morning, we're going to be looking at growing faith. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read five verses, verses 1 through 5 in 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, putting aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in your great grace, Lord, that you save us from ourselves, that you save us from sin, that by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that we have the righteousness of Christ imputed unto us. But Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us to our sin. But you not only save us from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin and make us more like Jesus. Lord, as we examine this process, Lord, may you speak to our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of us, many of us have been a believer, have been Christians for a very long time. Uh, I know uh, just, by, uh, just by experience, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and pick on him because I know it's okay, uh, Brother Ed uh, has, uh, I think he's 91, uh, he made 91 a couple of weeks ago, uh, and if I can get around as well as he does at 91, I'm okay living to 91. Uh, what, a, what a blessing, what an experience uh, uh, it is to know Him and to see Him in His walk with Christ. Uh, as far as I know, as far as I know, uh, uh, you have been, you were a charter member of Redeemer, a charter member of Riverdale, and almost a charter member of Northdale. Uh, and so how long, Brother Ed, have, have you been walking with Jesus? How long have you been a believer? 1974. That's a long time. Uh, that is a long time to be walking with Jesus. And, and many of us in our lives have been walking with Jesus a long time. But as we begin to walk with Jesus, we start out like babies. And babies are cute, right? Uh, in fact, we have a couple pictures this morning uh, of, some, of some really, really cute babies. This is, uh, this is baby Remy. We just dedicated baby Remy last week. Uh, and she is beautiful and she is precious. Uh, this next picture is baby Edgar uh, who just left crying uh, and he is uh, he is three weeks old and he is precious and wonderful and beautiful and and babies are awesome. but babies are needy and and you, you have this beautiful baby, and you look at it, and you think, oh, my goodness, it steals my heart, and, and, and as, as dads know, it takes just a, a fraction of a moment for that little girl to melt your heart and wrap you around their finger, and then you go home, and they cry for the next six months straight, and you're like, what in the world did I just take home? I, I, I took home this thing that, that was beautiful and lovely in the hospital, and I got home, and it needs stuff. All the time. It needs somebody to bathe it. It needs somebody to feed it. It needs somebody to change it. It needs somebody to hold it. It needs somebody to entertain it. And this child needs something all the time. And I remember in our parenthood, there was a milestone that came. And for some reason, this this seems very trivial, but as a dad, it it was a game changer. When our kids got to the point where they could buckle their own seatbelt. It seems so insignificant. It seems so insignificant, but when you can get in the car and you can say, buckle up, and they can buckle up, it it, it changes your life. It changes, or, 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 or when your kids can run their own bathwater and bathe themselves, all of a sudden you can say, go take your bath. And now, now, now. Granted, they still come out of the bathtub most of the time, smelling, smelling like 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 little puppy dogs, and you have to remind them. Look, next time, use soap. <laughs> Shampoo is your friend. When I say wash your hair, bathe, you know, we, we have to remind them, you know. But 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 we can say go take a bath, and at least they get in the water. At least they get in the water, and they they, they at least rinse the, the the nasty off of them. And so so you can tell you there is a. Babies are awesome, but I am so grateful we don't have babies. I look at I look at my wife after these baby showers and after these you know all of all of these these new babies are coming into church and I I look at her and say I am so glad that we are done with that phase because because there is a a neediness and there is a helplessness that that comes with babies, and as Christians, as Christians. When we come into faith, we are babies, we are spiritually children, we are, we are needy, and we are helpless, and God in His great grace, He meets us where we are, but thank God by His grace, He does not leave us where we are. Thank God that He, he moves us from, from being positionally holy to being practically holy. Last week, we talked about saving faith. We talked about that saving faith that, that makes us righteous in God's eyes. That whenever we place our faith and trust in Jesus and in who, in, in who he is and what he has done, that God gives us, God imputes onto us, he attributes to us the righteousness of Jesus and he gives Jesus our sin. And so when God looks down at us from heaven, he is not disappointed, he's not angry, he's not frustrated because we fail, but he looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus. That is the, impu- the imputation, the imputed righteousness of God. That changes our position. That changes our legal standing with God. God looks God is holy and righteous, and he looks at us and he says, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You are righteous, not because of anything you have done, but because of everything Jesus has done. We receive positional holiness. We are in a position of holiness before God. But the problem is, is that while positionally I may still be holy, I may be holy, practically, I'm not. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. Practically, I still lose my temper. Practically, I still I still fuss and scream at the, at the kids whenever whenever they don't go take a bath and use soap and shampoo. You know, practically, when I tell my daughter, clean up your room 17 times, and I walk into her room and it's still not clean, I... I lose my mind. And, and practically, you know, I don't always do the things as a husband that I should do, as a father that I should do. Positionally, I am righteous in the sight of God, but practically, I'm a man. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. And so, so how do we, how do we as Christians grow in our walk with Christ? And that's what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> First of all, I want to point out to you I want to point out to you that this passage is focused on those people who have come to a saving faith in Jesus, those people who have been imputed righteousness and have come to a saving faith. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? Because of chapter 2, verse 1, it says, therefore. This passage begins with therefore. And anytime we see the word therefore in the Bible, we should always ask ourselves, why is it therefore? Right? And so we look a few verses above in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse 23, it says, for you have been born again. You have been saved. You have been born again of seed that not which is perishable, but is imperishable that is through the living and abiding word of God. So Peter is talking to the church that's scattered throughout Asia Minor that is being persecuted. And he says, you have been born again. You are new. You are, you have been imputed righteousness. You are a, you are a child of God. Therefore, because you are a child of God, we need to quit acting like we once acted. We need to put aside our malice, our guile, our hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of God's word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So, saving faith creates in us the imputation of righteousness. We are given the righteousness of Jesus, And it gives us something else. Saving faith gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of John chapter 14. Jesus tells his disciples, right before Jesus is about to go to the cross, he encourages his disciples. He said, look, I'm about to have to leave. When I leave, I am going to send you the great helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14, verse verse 16. I'm sorry. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. Bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus and he says, as you receive the Holy Spirit, as you are saved, as you are born again, in verse 13... It says, in Him, you, in Him being in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were sealed with Him with the Holy Spirit. So not only are we as Christians given the righteousness of Jesus, but we are given the Holy Spirit to empower us, to live within us, to guide us and teach us. Remember John 14, he said, Jesus said, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit. He will come. He will live inside you. He will give you all things that you need. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things. So Jesus has promised them. He said, when I go, I will give you the helper, the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will be your guide. He will be your teacher. He will be your your director. He will will teach you all things. And if we look at Galatians chapter 5, we see the evidence or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to point out to us, church, look at the language. For the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, singular, there is one Spirit, there is one fruit, and this is how it plays out. This is how it, it manifests itself. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit comes and dwells within us, and then we begin to act. Differently, we begin to grow in our faith. Whenever we are saved, whenever we come to faith in Jesus, we get all of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we look like Jesus, because not only is the Holy Spirit living within us, there's still a bunch of Preston that's still around. And the Holy Spirit is in the process of of working with me. To sanctify me, that's the 25 cent theological word, to make me more like Jesus. It's called sanctification. The process of being made to look like Jesus. The process of the Holy Spirit working in me so that I look more like Jesus. Now, if we look at the text that we originally talked about, go back to 1 Peter. The scripture tells us that God desires us, look at verse 5, God desires us in verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 2, it says, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, God wants us to grow in respect to our salvation, and the ultimate end is found in verse 5, so that we may be holy, so that we may be a priesthood, that we may be a people that are that is holy, that is set apart from the others. God's desire is for us to be holy. Why? So that we can go to heaven? No, we've already been imputed the righteousness of Jesus. So why does God want me to be different? Why does God want me to be set apart? Why is it God's desire for me as a Christian, for me as someone who is born again, to look differently than this world? Well, let me ask you this very simple question. What is appealing in this world? Does this world offer anything that is appealing to us? Does this world offer peace, satisfaction? Does this world offer an answer to trials and hardships and tribulation? No. This world leaves us empty. And so what God desires is that there be a people that there be a select group of people that have been transformed by the Word of God, that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that whenever whenever difficulty and hardships and trial come, that they look distinctly different from everyone else in this world. That whenever they suffer loss, whenever they suffer hardship, whenever they suffer trial, whenever they suffer tribulation, that the world looks at them and says, wait a second, they just lost a loved one. Wait a second, they're going, they they, they just lost their job. Wait a second. You know, their their child just got stricken with cancer, and yet they're not angry and bitter and and malicious, but they are they're speaking kindness and love and compassion. They're responding with peace and joy and comfort. How is that? It's peculiar. It's different. And by our holiness, by being set apart, we become peculiarly attractive for a world who is longing for peace and comfort and satisfaction. God's desire for our holiness has nothing to do with our eternal destination. Our eternal destination was taken care of by Jesus' righteousness. God's desire for our holiness is so that we can be used for His kingdom as an ambassador to this lost and dying world. Now, here's the flip side, church. This process of sanctification that results and holiness is not enjoyable. It's not pleasant. How many of you enjoy working out? Okay, there's about there's about 3 of you, 4. And 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 we're going to call you guys masochists. Okay? The rest of now 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 how many of us how many of us You know, whenever, you know, we, we enjoy the results of working out. Most of us enjoy the results of working out. You know, I like to be, I I like to be fit. I like to be healthy. I like to, you know, whenever, whenever my kids ask me to go play ball, I want to be able to run up and down the basketball court more than once without, without sucking wind. Uh, I want to be able to go outside and, and, and play with my kids without, without having to take a break every 30 seconds. We, we, we like the results of working out, right? Well, when when we exercise, when we exercise, what happens to our muscles that we haven't used in eons? They hurt. They hurt. A, a few weeks ago, my wife started working out, and and for about three days, uh, she she couldn't move. Every time she moved, she would she would she would moan and groan and complain, and and you know she would get out of bed. and I am like, "Are you okay?" She's like, "Yeah, I just sore." And that's what happens when we work muscles that that that, that we don't work, or when we do something maybe. You know, maybe you do something that, that you haven't done and, and, and all of a sudden you find a muscle you didn't know you had. Has anybody <laughs> ever done that? You, you, you're, you're doing something and then the next day you're like, man, why do I hurt here? You know, that, that, that's never hurt a day in my life and all of a sudden you found a muscle that you used that you didn't know you had. You know, that, that process of getting in shape and getting healthy is not enjoyable. It hurts, it's painful, it's it's weary, it takes effort, it takes discipline. That is very similar to the spiritual process of sanctification. God in His great grace meets us where we are. You know, the beautiful message of the gospel is that God demonstrates His great love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't say to us as sinners, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you stop smoking, as soon as you stop drinking, as soon as you stop cursing, then I will show you my grace and mercy and love. He doesn't say to us, you know, as soon as you quit lying, as soon as you quit living this, this, this immoral lifestyle, then I will show you grace, mercy, and love. No, God says, I love you in your sin. God demonstrates his great love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Christ gave himself for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But he meets us where we are, but he refuses to leave us where we are. As his Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he begins to discipline us. He begins to exercise us spiritually. He begins to reveal things into our lives that say, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you ought not to act this way. You ought not to think this way. You ought not to behave this way. That is called conviction. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and, and you feel it without anybody ever saying anything. You say something or you do something or you think a certain way. And there's that check in the back of your spirit that says, oh, probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have said that. And most of us, if you're like me, you say, ah, sorry. That's okay. We're saved by grace. And we are. God's grace saves us, but he refuses to leave us where we are. Turn your attention to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 12. Verses 10 and 11. For they disciplined us, talking about... Let's, let, let's back up to verse 9. Sorry, Chris. Furthermore, we had an earthly father's discipline to teach us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father's spirits and live? Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he who disciplined us for our good that we may share in His holiness. Look at verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet for those who have been trained by it afterwards yields the peace of righteousness. You know, growing up as a kid, uh, my dad was very disciplined, uh, very disciplinary in nature. Uh, He made sure that I knew right from wrong. He made sure to to bestow upon me uh, the rod of correction. Scripture tells us in uh, Proverbs that foolishness is pent up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Uh, My dad wanted to make sure it was real far away from me. And so so as a child growing up, my uh, my dad disciplined me. And the moment of discipline was was not enjoyable you know whenever dad says go in the back room go meet me in the back room i knew exactly what that meant you know we go in the back room and and you know you would you you'd be given a safety briefing he'd say all right you know keep your hands up here if your hands go behind your behind uh behind your backside you know then they're going to get hit with the belt he gave a safety briefing and then he just and then he uh dispensed the discipline and and during that, during that moment, you know, there, there was a, a, a loathing of the discipline. You hated it. But as an adult, oh, I appreciate the discipline. I appreciate the moral and ethical investment that as an adult, you know right from wrong. And as an adult, you know what it means to work hard. As an adult, you know how, how to love and how to discipline your own children. But in that moment, the discipline is hard and it's difficult and it's painful. The sanctification process will not be enjoyable But I want to point out something else to you. The sanctification process will always be in concert with God's Word. As God reveals truth to your heart, it will always be echoed and be in concert with God's Word. There will never be a conviction of the Holy Spirit that is in contradiction to God's Word. There will never be a leading of the Holy Spirit that is not in a full and complete agreement with God's Word. And this is something else I want to point out to us, church. The Holy Spirit's conviction and the Holy Spirit's leading will always be in concert with God's Word and it will always be personal for you. Now this is huge for us in Baptist churches because we like to take the Holy Spirit conviction and we like to apply it to everybody else in our life except us. How many of you have ever been in church and you elbow the guy next to you and think, he, he, he's talking to you, Wives? You know, you ever, you ever, you ever been sitting there and, 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 you, you know, the, the preacher's preaching and you just keep elbowing your husband or, or, or how many husbands have been there thinking, man, I wish my wife was in here and not in the nursery because she needs to hear this, you know, or, or, or how many of you have been there and think, man, this, this message is meant for so-and-so. Does anybody ever, it, it, am I the only one that's been in church and think, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. The Holy Spirit's convictions and the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's discipline is for you. When the Holy Spirit lays something upon your heart and lays a conviction upon your heart, it is yours. The Holy Spirit, if we believe the Holy Spirit is all, if we believe the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, if we believe the Holy Spirit, it dwells all believers, if we believe the Holy Spirit is working within us the process of sanctification, we must also believe that the Holy Spirit is working the process of sanctification for our spouse. And that means you and I don't have to be his or her Holy Spirit. That means the person sitting across the pew from you right now, they don't need you to be their Holy Spirit. If you can't say amen, sometimes you've got to say ouch, right? You are not the Holy Spirit for the person sitting next to you. Jesus said it like this. He said, remove the plank from your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think we as Christians are so worried about the specks in everyone else's eyes that we fail to see the planks in our own eyes. So here's how I want to... Leave us this morning. Are the difficulties, hardships, trials in my life, what are they for? Are they a result of my sin? Am I being disciplined for my lack of obedience? Are they a result, or are they for my endurance? Are they so that my faith can be increased? Are they they so that I can learn dependence? Are are the difficulties, hardships, and trials that I'm going through in life, are they so that I can know God's grace more? Are they so that I can demonstrate His love to others? This is the question that I want to challenge you to ask God. As we close, will you have the courage to ask God to make me more like Jesus. If we have the courage to ask God to make us more like Jesus, the reality is is that He may bring discipline into my life. He may reveal to me areas in my life that I need to fix. He may reveal to me things in my life that are not like Jesus. Are you willing and brave enough to ask God to make you more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank You that in Your great grace, You gave us the righteousness of Jesus to make us positionally holy. But I also thank You that You refuse to leave us where we are, that You met us where we are by Your great grace. But in your great grace, you refuse to leave us where we are. Lord, I thank you for the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that your Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I thank you that your Holy Spirit disciplines us. I thank you that your Holy Spirit grows us. Lord, may we have the boldness to ask the question. To ask that you would make us more like Jesus. As the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, may you find yourself obedient. Maybe there are things in your life that you need to get rid of. Maybe there are things in your life that you need to add. Maybe there are things in your life, maybe as a behavior, maybe as a a, a point of obedience. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, May today be the day of obedience. As we go into this time of invitation, maybe you need to grab someone and come to this altar and pray. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to follow the Lord by being baptized. Whatever it is the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart this morning, may He find you obedient. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus.